Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wing It Worldwide podcast. This is Scott McKay. And I'm Emily McKay. And today we got a very special episode for you because we're going to be talking about the DPRK, Democratic People's Republic of Korea, most commonly known as... North Korea. Yep, we went to North Korea, folks. And you know what's really funny is every time we talk to people about having gone to North Korea, it's not like we crow about it, but sometimes it comes up, they're thinking, there's no way, you're lying. Right. You're an American. Right. No one goes to North Korea. Matter of fact, my brother-in-law was talking to my dad. They were watching the children. And he asked, where did the where did Scott and Emily go? What was his response? North Korea. My brother-in-law says, no, Bill, that can't be right. You mean South Korea? No, no, no. North Korea. So, yes, people find it difficult to imagine. But here's the irony of it. It's actually not all that difficult to get into North Korea, even as a United States tourist, as long as you go through a tour group. Now, you can't go traipsing around there by yourself. What happens is you sign up with a a group that's kind of registered with the government of North Korea. Then they take you, usually from Beijing, although there's trips now from Shanghai and I think Shenzhen too. But we stopped in Beijing and we jumped to Pyongyang, North Korea from there with a company called Young Pioneer Tours. And they did a fantastic job. Took care of the visas. All we did was basically sign up with them and they took care of everything. Yes, from the hotels, the plane, the food. We didn't have to think about anything other than having a good time. Yeah, I mean, by comparison, even getting a visa to, say, Brazil is more complicated. And India, for sure. I mean, India kicked back the visa like four or five times. (laughs) All we did was give the information to these guys, and YPT took care of everything. Yeah, easy. So once that was out of the way, the big day finally came. And I remember you and I got on the plane. We were so excited and so nervous. Yeah. All rolled into one. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, we're actually going to North Korea. We're in. The door to the plane closed. We're off. There's no backing out. Yeah, right. So, I mean, you know, we had butterflies. And we'd been to a lot of countries by the time we went to North Korea. Because, you know, I mean, North Korea isn't exactly your first country you cross off the list. You know, you go to Paris or London first. Nobody's (laughs) like, hey, I've never been outside the United States. Where do you want to go? Let's go to Pyongyang, you know. So, it is definitely adventure travel to go there. No doubt about it. But the thing is, it's like a completely different kind of adventure travel. It's like, dare I say urban adventure travel in a strange way. Our first clue, even before we got on the plane, Emily, this was going to be really weird, was when they handed us our visa, the year was 104. Oh, that's right, because it starts from the day that their leader started. Yes, right. When Kim Il-sung was born, history completely started over. Yes. It was the year 104. That's why they live on a different calendar. And remember, the poor ladies behind the counter, because we actually took the once-a-week Air China flight to get there, which is really interesting because it's like the only foreign flight that goes into Pyongyang. And the ladies behind the counter are like, you know, there's something wrong with these visas. It says the year is 104. Somebody misprinted something. And our tour guide, you know, our Western tour guide with Young Pioneer Tours had to set them straight and let us on the plane. It was crazy, man. She's like, I can't let you through with this visa. This visa is, you know, there's something wrong with it. You can't get through. So, yes, they took care of it for us. All right. So, here we are, four minutes into this 10-minute podcast. We need to go to North <laughs> Korea. a lot to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. This should be like a three-parter, okay? The first thing that happens is you land, you know, final approach on the airplane into Pyongyang, and there are military guys planting grass on the side of the runway when you land. I mean, it's weird as soon as you get there. And it turned out it was Friday. And Friday is like public service day. It's like everybody in the country, especially in the military, I've heard, 
is like doing mandatory public service. You know, almost like they got convicted of something and have to do public service. But, you know, it's something that they do for the service of the country. And they're proud to do so. But it's alarming to see a bunch of people by the runway when you're landing. <laughs> you're like, wow, what's going on? It wasn't explained to us until later. Right. So we land at the airport. We get off the plane, take a deep breath. You know, they check through everything. I wouldn't say excessively, you no. know, because, you know, you go into North Korea thinking it's going to be excessive. And the next thing you know, we're put at ease. They didn't even take away your cell phone. No, they let you keep your cell phone nowadays, which is kind of interesting. Although you don't have any access to emails None. or the internet. No. You're completely cut off from the world. And interestingly enough, I found that amazingly refreshing. Well, you finally got some time off. Yes. I mean, you know, hey, look, I'm off the grid. You're not going to be able to get in touch with me. And of course, we're internet-based people here. Our entire business, <laughs> our dating coaching stuff is all internet-based. I had an excuse. I had the perfect storm. A real holiday. Yeah, I know. It was like a real vacation in sunny North Korea. Another thing that struck me along those same lines is the complete utter lack of marketing. No billboards, no commercials, no Coca-Cola logos everywhere. And, you know, even though that is an unfortunate casualty of a market that's not a free market economy, obviously. To the Western mind, again, it was something that was sort of refreshing because, you know, you go to Seoul, South Korea, anywhere in Asia, you know, anywhere in the United States, anywhere, and you're going to see a bunch of billboards and be bombarded with a bunch of commercials, even in their surprisingly beautiful subway system. Right. Although they replaced that with their politics, with a lot of the advertisement teaching or- A lot of jucha announcements. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Propaganda. Uh, exactly. Yeah. A lot of that. You get in the elevator and they have the video showing that they're proud of their country and the music and very patriotic. And I think they legitimately are. Oh, yes. They firmly believe it. They love it. They're sincere to it as much as we are to our own country as well as everybody else's to their own country as well. Now, I don't think there's any doubt that our tour guides for DPRK, and by the way, you have to be escorted everywhere you go. You're not ever given the chance to just roam around the country. They did let us see more than we thought we were going to see. I mean, we saw workers in the field like plowing the field on hands and knees with like little garden trowels. I mean, it's just, it was weird and bizarre. And oxen carts and everything out yeah, there yeah. plowing. Yes, it looked like we were from a different time period. Yeah, my favorite part were the army trucks powered by wood. Oh, I forgot about that. That's right. And I was like, uh, you know, what's up with the trucks that smoke out the back? He's like, well, they're actually powered by wood. Or was it coal? It was wood. They're throwing wood. They're wood-burning trucks. And I'm like, come on. And this guy was from Ireland. <laughs> you know, I was like, thing. come on. <laughs> you know, he's a no, 100%. And even the DPRK guy, who would not mess with me, by the way, you know. He's like, no, yeah, that's exactly how it works. They're former Russian military trucks. They have wood-burning trucks. I mean, it's just the weirdness knows no boundaries over there. Now, two places we went that you're never going to see pictures of. First of all, we went to the Palace of the Sun, where Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il, his son, are both lying in state. And that was an incredibly opulent experience, complete with slowly moving walkways where you pass all these pictures of the great leaders doing these great things. And that's just only the beginning. Right. Remember the air they blew on you? Yes, they give you a blowjob before you go in there to see them. They blow the lint off you with like these air ducts. And I said to our Western guide afterwards, I go, did they ever like get the hint that we're laughing about having been given a blowjob? And our guy was like, no, no one's ever going to tell them that. But I mean, there were these things where you just had to laugh over and over again, even 
vis-a-vis all this opulence. And man, that Palace of the Sun was overdone. I mean, we've seen other leaders lying in state. We've seen other monuments, even here in the United States. There's nothing that compares to that place. And you can't have any pictures taken, nothing. They make you take off your shoes, remember? Man, they just, it's the real deal. Our guide was even disturbed that we as Americans were allowed in there, remember? Yeah, he had make a comment about that. He stopped our tour just to make a point that he was unhappy with us being there because he cannot enter our country in the United States, but we are going to be there visiting his leaders. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like he was mean about it. He just kind of let us know. The other place we can't take pictures is what they call the War Museum. And let me tell you something. These guys are stuck on having a grudge against the Americans. Oops, there's crickets. And yet you go into this museum and they've spent millions in U.S. dollars, you know, the equivalent, to build this place. They've had outside contractors come in. They've got theater in the round, a wax museum showing the atrocities of war with a wonderfully done U.S. prisoner of war figure who just captured exactly how they would want an American face to look. And I was kind of fascinated by it. And, you know, the guide said, come on, you you know, you don't have to look at that. Very graphic. Right, yeah. And she thought, she goes, you know, come on, you don't have to look at that. It's almost as if she thought I was being, like, emotionally affected by it, when really I was just amazed at the artwork. Oh, yeah. Very detailed, really well done. You even get to walk on the ship. Yes, the Pueblo. Absolutely. And then uh, anything that they've captured, they made sure it was there. They made sure that it was in the best of condition and made sure that they set it up in a in an environment that looked like it had crashed or that they've taken it over and then very graphically explain the gore that goes behind it. And in a moment of uncharacteristic candidness, our female DPRK guide admitted to us that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we're a small country. We're an underdog. So anything we can celebrate against America, you know, we're going to leverage that. Right. Which reminds me, we went to the DMZ. From the north. Yeah, I can't leave that out. This was multi-triumphant for one main reason to me, and that's we finally got to go into the infamous meeting room with the microphones in the middle that separate the north from the south. And we got ripped off from doing that when we visited the DMZ from the south back in 2009. So this was kind of like sweet revenge there. Right. Yeah. And we got to sit at the table too. Yes, absolutely. And we also got to go to the building in Kaesong, which lies in the north, which we were told when we visited the south, where they actually signed the armistice. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, very interesting. Much more laid back than the South. Oh yeah, too. you get to you have a lot more freedom to yeah. do what you want there. Walk around the building, and well, not around the building, but walk around on the inside of the building, and then they explain the history, and at least from their perspective, just fascinating. But on a lighter note, what I remembered that was a lot of fun is the theme park. Oh yeah, they actually have. An amusement park there. Yes. I was talking to somebody today and they're like, I thought they didn't have those things because they don't have electricity. No, they have a theme park there. We even got to ride the rides and get on the roller coaster and the young people love it there. You know, I think it's fair to say it's no picnic to be there. I'm not going to, you know, emigrate to North Korea anytime soon. But, you know, it's not as bad as the propaganda we get about them here in the United States. Okay, there are people happy and smiling and we didn't see anybody starving. And it's not like they only showed us the people they wanted us to see because they took us to the park when the whole city is celebrating. And one of the highlights for me was you dancing with a grandpa from the DPRK. And he just really enjoyed that. I have it on video. Yes. I'll post it on YouTube. I really appreciate the fact that the people there, they love their country. They love their families. They're very tight, very close knit, and they believe in their families first. 
And the college students are like having folk dances in parking lots on Saturday for fun. Not a lost art. Yeah, there's just kind of a simplicity there that has been lost literally in the whole rest of the world. I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing, but it's definitely an adventure. It's definitely a cross-cultural shock. And it makes North Korea really an adventurous place to go to. Man, we're just getting warmed up. There's so much more we could talk about. We'll write a blog post about this. We're just, you know, we could keep going. Yeah, post pictures so you can get an idea of what we're talking about. Right. I think the best way to wrap this up is, you know, we knew we were kind of on alert there. Don't make any stupid moves. You know, someone recently got arrested for stealing a poster off a wall and sent to 10 years hard labor. Right. As long as you don't do anything stupid, don't break the laws, you'll be fine. Now, we didn't really feel like our safety was threatened while we were there. We didn't feel like anybody was out to hurt us or get us. You know, you just kind of nod your head and don't say anything stupid and you'll get in and you'll get out. And it's actually a fascinating place to have visited. Absolutely. Oh, and when you stay in the Yangakdo Hotel, which is on the island where they sequester you at night, it's actually pretty fun to be there. There's like bowling alleys and everything. Don't miss going to the tailor's. Oh, yeah. Shop on the second floor. Make sure you're escorted up there because they start asking questions if you wander around. (laughs) I got the best suit for like 130 euros. Tailor made. Oh, man. I should have gotten like three of them done. And they do it there in the hotel and they had it done for me within 36 hours. Brilliant. Right there in the hotel. Anyway, there's more on the blog. Go to www.wingitworldwide.com. Check it all out. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter. We're a lot of fun, as you've already figured out. And until we talk to you next time. I'm Emily McKay. I'm Scott McKay. Be good. And have fun. The Wing It Worldwide podcast is copyright X and Y Communications. All rights reserved worldwide. Remember, you can go to the show notes page at www.wingitworldwide.com front slash podcast. There you'll find out much more about all the destinations talked about by Scott and Emily on this show. Remember, if there's anything left out that you wanted to hear, chances are you'll find it there. It's all at www.wingitworldwide.com front slash podcast. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for the Wing It Worldwide Podcast. Until next time, be good and have fun.